You're listening to a special focus on breast cancer from Advances in Women's Health. Sponsored by Lilly. Coming to you from the European Society for Medical Oncology's annual congress in Barcelona, Spain, this is ReachMD. I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. I'm joined by Thanos Cosmidis. He's the founder and CEO of Caracross, and uh, he and his company are responsible for a new poster presentation at ESMO titled Breast Cancer Patients' Quality of Life Real-World Data. Thanos, welcome to the program. Good to, good to be here. So just to get a basic summary of, of what you were looking for in the study, tell us a little bit about how you came into this study, what you were hoping to find. We wanted to identify patterns of patient experience and behavior, and we wanted to find whether we could actually associate these two. Running platforms on breast, lung, colorectal, and prostate cancer, we focused on breast cancer for a bit, and specifically on the on two large segments or two two uh, different types of breast cancer. One is triple negative breast cancer, and then every other type of breast cancer. So triple negative breast cancer is perhaps the most challenging one because you cannot really use targeted treatments. And so we had the hypothesis that these patients have a different experience and so they have a different behavior. So we focused then on two parts of their daily living. One is their side effects and the other is their supplements. So the analysis showed that indeed, that was, that was the analysis about, of about 1,000 patients across five countries in Europe. The analysis showed that indeed, triple negative breast cancer patients do report more side effects to the tune of about 22%, uh, but they also uh, take more vitamins and supplements, about 20% more. So one needs to see a bit deeper to find out exactly whether there's a causal relationship between the two. Um, but we do know that, for example, triple negative breast cancer patients are taking more toxic treatments. So there are subtle links across the story. Uh, and we keep collecting a lot of data. We engage with patients throughout their lives online. So we keep collecting very interesting insights. So it sounds like one of those insights is that there is an implication here that uh, because of the higher severity of side effects, patients, for one reason or another, yet to be determined, are more motivated, compelled uh, to um, try to intervene on their own behalf with their own form of supplements to try to perhaps get in front of, of the side effects that they're dealing with, um, or perhaps um, it relates to other factors. Are there any? Are there any thoughts in advance based on the findings that you've had as to what might be compelling this correlation? Uh, that's a good question. We've actually discussed it with many clinicians and there's two schools of thought. One is that, you know what, patients will do anything in their power and the more perhaps engaged they are, the more things they will try out. The other school of thought is about the psychological aspect of knowing that you have a challenging condition. So then you start reaching out to other other in quote, approaches or solutions. We had run a, a, another study which was focusing on the specific topic of supplements and alternative and complementary medicine. And most of the patients were responding to the question, you know, the question was, why are you taking if you are? And the overwhelming answer was, first of all, well, the first answer um, was to feel better. And the other is, because I can, essentially, right? It's something that I can actually um, affect while I cannot really affect my treatment or I cannot really affect my, my, 
my follow-up tests, but something I can do day-to-day, and it kind of empowers me. That's our readout. And it's interesting, that, that idea of empowerment, in a way, speaks um, both positively of the, the patient's capabilities to do that. Uh, for instance, where this study was done in, in the U.K., um, it, it speaks to that there is a level of empowerment, both uh, economically and socially, through helping patients feel like they should do something. They should do something in their power. But it also perhaps speaks to another message underlying, which might not be quite as glowing, and that might relate to feeling disempowered in the healthcare setting um, through a lack of access um, or through maybe a lack of communication, communication gaps with their healthcare providers. Do you think that there was any um, possibility that that might be in play here too? Totally. And um, actually, the the study uh, for, um, included patients from five European countries. So UK was one, but also France, Germany, Spain, and Italy. And while it's not shown here, we do see some different patterns across countries. So uh, we know, for example, that patients in Germany are, are more open to alternative and complementary treatments. This is how the overall system is working. Um, it sounds like, from the, the insights we've collected so far, that patients in Italy are always eager to, to search for more information. Um, we see different behaviors, for example. And these can indeed be revealing patterns across access to information, access to care, the relationship with the clinicians, how personable these uh, these um, healthcare professionals are. And I think it's one of those things where um, can really affect both the uh, behavior of a patient, but also how they consume services, public or private, around their condition. It sounds like your organization, therefore, has a number of leads, a number of extension points that you can continue on. What would you think the, the next path would be for, for Caracos? That's a great question. We're still exploring, and we're never actually down, down only one path. I mean, just the fact that we've, we, we have platforms also on lung, colorectal, and prostate allows us to do a lot of different things and actually comparing and contrasting across conditions, right? Um, our core value, if you will, our core assets are our access to the patient population and access to the patient insights. So we always look for patterns that we can go back to our members, our patients, and you know, drill down and ask more, and always have a very scientific backing to what we, what we, what we communicate, but understand that patients are first and foremost people and then patients. So how can we help them day to day? So, Thanos, I want to dig a little deeper into the supplementation area for the, the patient survey that you did because it wasn't just vitamins that they were going after. It seems like the patients that you surveyed were accessing or pursuing a number of different types of supplements. Um, what was the breakout that you found? So, indeed, uh, vitamins are, are common. Um, you know, for example, vitamin C, we see about 24% of triple negative breast cancer patients receiving them or taking them and about only 10% of non-triple negative breast cancer but still quite a sizable uh, part of the population. So the most common is turmeric which is you know the literature is, is, is 
is, is very rich about the effects of that on many levels, and I will not comment on that, of course. Flaxseed is very common as well, vitamin D. Magnesium is one of those, those um, supplements which are, uh, in some cases, actually prescribed by clinicians, depending on the case. Um, fatty acids, very common, probiotics, probiotics, calcium as well. Um, and actually, I think this is a list of maybe 13, 14 substances. There is a long tail of supplements that are just, you know, strange. For example, uh, I recall zinc being quite common on, across triple negative breast cancer patients, four times more compared to non-triple negative. So one would wonder why. And, you know, it could be somebody had put up a, you know, a website about it, for example, and people just land on it. But then again, does it affect those patients in a, in a way that it should not? Because it's a, it's, it's a, it's a sizable number. So. Um, Really, really interesting to see all the correlations and all the little dots uh, that make up essentially a patient journey, right? And on that note, I was surprised by the absolute percentage, uh, not just the comparative one between triple negative breast cancer patients and non-triple negative breast cancer patients, but just the overall extent to which patients were accessing these, these supplements. Turmeric, for instance, at nearly 25, beyond 25%, uh, for triple negative breast cancer patients and almost 25% of all the patients that, that you uh, surveyed, that's a remarkable number of and a very high, not just willingness, but perhaps a need to explore supplements. That's exactly right. Exploring, is, I think, is, is the right term um, because, you know, people are, are hungry for options. So maybe they're trying this out, they're trying combinations, not necessarily the right way. Uh, and I recall a few congresses ago um, at ESMO where in the patient advocacy track, there was a, 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 you know, a survey, a questionnaire, and more than 50% of patients were taking something. So you can see this is around right. But most of them were not telling their clinicians about it. And so that's reasonable. Right, but does it help patients? Not really. Uh, can can we do something about it? Perhaps. Uh, so hopefully your efforts can contribute to that. That's excellent. And Thanos, before we sign off, are there any thoughts that you want to contribute? Any other takeaways for the healthcare professionals out there who are uh, not just interested but specializing in in breast cancer care and interested in trying to improve quality of life for their patients? Well, there's, there's so many messages, and I don't think I'm, I'm, I'm qualified, even not, not being a healthcare professional, to relay those. But what I, what I would say is that um, patients are, are really appreciative of clinicians' efforts and time. Being there and being present to listen is key. And I hate to, to break up more research that we're doing or more, more, more. Uh, more service that we ask, but we're actually currently running a survey on patient perception, the relationship with their doctors. And the initial insight is that just listening is half the battle. So being there and listening is, is, is really key for those patients who are 
just unfortunate to be on the other side of the table. Well, on that note, I very, want to, I very much want to thank uh, um, my guest, Thanos Kosmitis, for uh, joining me to talk about breast cancer patients' quality of life in their poster session on the real-world data to examine supplementation use and the experience for these patients. Thank you again, Thanos. Thank you, sir. For more access to this and other episodes devoted to breast cancer and breast cancer research, visit ReachMD.com, um, where you can join the conversation and be part of the knowledge. For ReachMD, I'm Dr. Matt Bernholtz. Thanks again for listening. You've been listening to this special focus on breast cancer from Advances in Women's Health. To revisit any part of this discussion and to access other episodes in this series, visit ReachMD.com slash Advances in Women's Health, where you can join the conversation and be part of the knowledge. Thank you for listening.